This series of lunchtime conversations intends to capture insights from some of society's thought leaders, given the unprecedented times we are living in. The 4th of June, and my penultimate guest in the lunchtime series is Paul Horton. He's the chief exec of the Future Waters Association. Part of my role at Warwick University is to make sure our programmes remain relevant and continue to serve the needs of society. To do this, it's really important that I am part of the research and industry community. The people I've been speaking to in this series form my professional network and I rely on them to inform and help steer our educational offerings. We've seen seismic shifts in all areas of life. The extraordinarily pervasive nature of COVID-19 will have lasting effects. So, Paul, welcome to lunch. Um, can I start? Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> so, albeit virtually. Can I start by asking you to tell me a little bit about the main um, the mission of the Future Waters Association um, and its relationship with kind of water companies in the UK? Yes, yeah, certainly. So the, the, the association brings together suppliers across the industry and the suppliers are there to engage with a combination of themselves and the water companies. And and really, our, our mission is quite straightforward. We we believe that there should be a connected, engaged, innovative workforce. Um, our focus is around innovation, but it's around collaboration and, and how to make the most effective use of uh, people's knowledge, uh, IP, etc., in order to make the industry not just world leading, but work for everybody, for the utilities, the suppliers, for catchment management, for the customers. And, and we believe we're, we're at the heart of that because water's at the heart of how the climate's changing and, and, and we've seen that just in the past uh, three or four months. Mm. I, mean, I, I spoke to Courtney earlier this week and Courtney works for um, National Grid, you know, from the energy, so uh, another utilities. And, and she was explaining about the relationship between, I think it was Ofgem and the private company National Grid. And is, is water, is it structured in the same way? Um, or what's the differences do you see? Or, or is it just a different industry altogether? No, it's similar in many ways. Obviously, you're talking about um, something being moved across a pipe network. Um, I don't know the figures in terms of the of the, of the gas industry, but, but water sector has about 350,000 kilometres of water mains across England and Wales, as an example. And, and somewhere in the region of 640,000 linked to sewers and, 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 and drains. So it's 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 massive in that context. Um, Structure-wise, the similarities are uh, that industry has off-gem, we have off-what. Off-what is the economic regulator for the water industry and has just done the latest price review. Each price review lasts for a five-year period. Um, but perhaps the where things differ is the water industry also has the regulators, the drinking water inspector that tests all the water that comes through our taps, you know, does an audit process on the water companies okay. and also tests test products that come into contact with, with potable stroke drinking water. And, and then the Environment Agency, which regulates the industry in terms of discharges to the environment, but equally important at the moment, abstract from the environment as well in terms of water use. Yes, yeah. 
Yes, okay. So some overlaps there in the sort of general structure, but maybe a little bit more point of consumption checking that seems to happen maybe in the water industry to for quality and for the waste that we might produce. And from the water perspective, you know, we saw we saw shocking reports from other countries of people not having running water to wash their hands and um, when the coronavirus was rapidly spreading. That didn't didn't happen in the UK, I don't think, or it didn't. Um, why not? You know, I mean, we saw this in developing and developed countries. We saw them having problems with many people not having running water just to wash their hands. We're developed. The other countries were developed. Why didn't we have the same problems? What's different about what we do? I think it's. The easy answer is to say the way we're connected. So most, if not all, of the population is connected to um, water supply, and um, most of that is mains. Um, sometimes it's 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 borehole, but it's all um, it's all quality checked and assured. And because of that, the issue becomes how much water can you get into supply, as opposed to people not having access. Don't get me wrong, there may be the odd burst, which means, you know, groups of houses and places that don't have access to, to water for a very short term. But the population's got access to it, so we can turn the taps on and therefore wash as and when we need to. I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't represent its own challenges. Um, some of the figures I've seen in the past week suggest that an extra 2.25 billion litres of water have been used daily particularly because See? the spring yeah 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 but well the springs this this spring has had 660 hours of sunshine and the previous record in the 1920s was 550 something so that plus the warm weather has meant a lot more usage of water in addition to um extra washing of hands so what what does that look like as well it's probably about 900 Olympic swimming pools a day extra. So th th that's been where more of the pressure has been has has come from. How do you get hold of that water and put it through the treatment plants? The, the challenge is often the volume that can go through the treatment plants to meet the, the wider demand. And obviously that demand has come from people as industries have been that, in it. That's yeah. fascinating because, you know, um, I guess from the energy usage, the demand has really it's dropped. You know, I think it was twenty five percent. Courtney said, and um, the demand has mm -hmm. dropped because mm -hmm. industry hasn't been operating. So with industry shutting down and um, energy usage went down, it's really I think yeah. I, it's surprising to hear how much water usage has actually gone up, even although industry has has closed down so it's domestic yeah. use that is does it put the most demand on the supply of water or or is there an equal split how or do you is that not a figure like how does it do you do you understand yeah. agricultural demand industry yeah. demand domestic and what does that yeah does well, well probably as a as a as a country you, you have so it, it's it's interesting what you said about sorry just a slight side for courtney because the, the the figures suggest the the increase in water has gone up by 20%, possibly up to 25%. So there's been that, you know, energy's gone down, water's gone up. But but you can, the difference being that by and large, the 
biggest pull on water usage is from domestic. You know, even, even agriculture probably only accounts for about 20%, 25% maximum. So the biggest use is, is, is domestic. You know, as I mentioned, we're, we're connected across the whole country. It's, I can't remember off the top of my head how many millions of households that is, but you factor in all those households. Um, and that's where the bulk has come from. The, the warm weather where we've been at times up to 10 degrees temperature higher than normal um, has meant that people have, have used um, paddling poles because they're at home. You know, as, as an example, they've yes. watered their gardens, they've done a, because a lot of people have been homebound, so they've done a lot more of that. Um, some of the figures I've also seen suggest that uh, dishwashers and washing machines have been used more, um, in part because people are at home, in part because of how people are thinking about things like the virus and the, and the impact. So it, I think there's a lot of factors that have, that have jumped in and the, the usual thing of everyone's having a cup of tea at certain times of the day to finish the Zoom calls, you know, it's six o'clock and they're not travelling home. So between six and ten you see you see some quite sharp peaks in in demand um, as well. So there's all of those factors that the, the, the positives that have come out of this are exactly what you said. We've been able to supply water across the population. The water companies um, are being classed as key workers, their staff. Equally the supply chain, the, the supply chain works with the water companies to deliver probably anywhere up to three quarters of the projects that water companies work on. So the supply chain has been there helping to ensure that the pipes are quickly mended. Yeah. Um, if any burst, you know, things are tackled. There hasn't been the level of traffic on the road, so that's been easier. And ironically, understanding your baseline of water consumption, which the industry tends to talk about as the nightline levels, you know, the point at which no other things are happening. Um, they've been able to collect a lot more data around that, which should help with uh, water suppliers dealing with leakage better, etc. So there's there's various things that have emerged that have allowed us to be more creative, I suppose, and collect better data and do things in a different way. Yes, yeah, and, and, and do the water companies share that data from one area to another or it is a private, it's a pri private companies, do they, do they compete or, I mean they must compete necessarily being private, but how do they share and how, what level of sharing of data do they do? There's, there's probably more sharing than, than, than people realise. I mean, if you look at something like leakage, there's, there's a lot of work being done to develop what's called um, leakage hotspot maps, as in where some of the more creative work is being done and shared. Um, the private in England, Wales is owned um, through a trust, so the public own it in Wales. Obviously, Scottish Waters, um, a public entity, so the, the, and, and they're all talking about um, innovations and ideas and where they need to focus and what the priorities are. And we as an association run a, an event looking at networks every year in both the water mains and the sewer networks. There's huge amounts of data sharing taking place there because you need to understand the health of the asset. Um, and some of these assets have been in the ground for <clears throat> since the 1900s, you know, the early 1900s. So you, you, you've got to understand uh, all of that. So there's, 
there's a lot going on and I think there's more cooperation in the past few months, more understanding. Um, and equally, there's been an ironic push towards more uh, remote use of systems, remote monitoring, use of drones, you know, other, other things yes. that that perhaps were slowly coming into the industry and the sector. Um, we've seen in three or four months that we can make much more use of these than we actually do. Mm, yeah, yes, okay. So, um, yeah, independent, competitive, but yet quite a lot of sharing between the different companies is what I'm going to take from that. And, and, again, and as we look forward, you know, this 20% drop, has that happened? How big is agriculture? How, how big is the demand of agriculture? And how much, how much um, the, the waste from ag agriculture, from water, how significant is that? Is that a large part of the water industry? It's, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's probably probably less than 25% of total use comes comes from agriculture. I think I think a lot of agriculture's got more efficient. Yeah, there, there, there are still some spray irrigation systems, but they've, they've, they've got a lot better about water usage. Um, the the bigger targets that are emerging around um, um, how the land itself is looked after, how land management, that, that's not just down to fertilizers. There's a there's a much broader spread about how land use can impact more widely on on, on catchments, and there's some great collective work being done there. You know, as one example has been uh, Wessex Water have been working with the Environment Agency to see how they look at um, managing a whole catchment and how you would issue. Um, a permit that covered the whole catchment in terms of the environmental management, water quality, etc. And that that's really exciting, and that brings everyone together: uh, people, agriculture, um, industry, all, all of it. So it's 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 becoming much more interesting. And I think the the past few months have done a couple of things. One of which is huge numbers are working remotely. Yes. Where we all know how Zoom is part of our vocabulary, as well as MS Teams, as well as whatever it yes. may be. Um, and what we found is that actually we can we can work, we can do things in a different way. And decision making in some areas is speeded up rapidly. Um, and and I think all of that is quite is quite exciting because it's pointing towards. Yes, things will things will evolve, and and this is all changing. But actually, we can we can use remote in in a way that we never thought we could. Yeah. And that, that's one of the exciting things, and that and that changes the potential dynamic of how we manage catchments, uh, water systems, how we understand um, uh, underground water as well as reservoirs, as well as rivers. How how we understand all the interactions there across industry. I mean. The data that must exist now in relation to wider industrial use, as well as domestic, yes. is, is things we can never have imagined collecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite, in a way, um, as much as we have survived this pandemic, there, it, it, there is an element of, um, is, it, there's an element of hopeful, being hopeful about our ability to um, everybody knows all the systems are interconnected, and I feel maybe now there's more confidence to say, well, we might not know it all, but we are able to make an attempt to understand 
that connectivity between all these big systems and um, social, you know, economic, political and technical and bring them all together to without and that we are able to do it rather than maybe, well, that's very complex and maybe we, we, we shan't we shan't try to tackle all of that because it's too much. So I mean, there's an element of hopefulness there, I, I think, as well. I think I can see that, that there's opportunities um, yeah. to consider these big systems. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think one of one of the interesting things is that the regulator of what has been looking at um, the benefits of an innovation fund and how it could support doing mm -hmm. things differently in the water sector, you know, bringing forward projects that may not have been part of the price review process. Um, and their focus has been on transformational, and I think the sector recognises you know, tra transformational as being the right way forward. Um, and nobody's really known how to define that. What does that mean? What does that look like? What is, is there a framework of, of understanding? And you go back three months and fast forward three months and what's happened is very trans transformational. We've, we've got a ready-made example sitting there. Yes. Um, and it brings all the things into play that you said, the whole systems thinking, and I'm, I'm a personally a huge fan of systems thinking. I think we need it um, in this country and a much more focus way and in a way that drives policy rather than policy being political. I think we need systems thinking. And then it brings all the bits together. It brings you know, uh, transport, it brings IT, it brings um, rail, it brings, you know, war. I mean, rail has a um, an interesting aspect in that one of their biggest challenges away from putting all the track in place is making sure that water doesn't affect the tracks. Drainage is a big issue in rail. So, Pull it all together, you know, as, as much as it is in roads. So you can start to interface all of these and say, yes. well, how do we manage these differently and, and, and can we do it? And yes, we can. We've got examples of making much better use of IT systems now. So we can do it, whereas I agree with you, we would have said that might take four or five years and it's, mm. it's going to rely on Microsoft doing something different or yes. Google. Or actually, it doesn't. We've got the systems now. We can, and and we're showing how they can work together. I mean, um, you know, MS Teams can interface with Zoom, so you know, yes. we we can all start to do things in in a much more interesting way. Yeah. Um, mm. Yes, I think so. so. I think so. So, um, yeah, I mean, you are a Futures Water Association, so I think that's a, it's it's it is yeah. it's a, a, a hopeful and interesting look forward. I think as well. I mean, the water system from my from my sort of layperson's experience, that's obviously reliant on water for life. Um, you know, I I don't recall going and not having a water supply when I turn the tap. You know, I don't recall. Um, Maybe a million years ago when I had a burst pipe, you know, when I was little, but I, I don't, it's something that um, you, yeah. you, the way we provide water in the UK is now so good that it doesn't come up into the, it doesn't get into your vision, it doesn't, you know, raise its head for you to, to witness it not being good and then being fixed, it just delivers all the time, which... I think it's probably like it's, it's probably a strength and a weakness because it's a super interesting and fascinating area. Um, but then because it isn't noticed or advertised particularly, then it doesn't get that kind of um, acknowledgement of the of the excellent the excellent systems that are in place. 
Yeah. And for, what about your personal life? Are you, I mean, are you working from home? Is that what I'm looking at? Do you get to go out and about? Yes. Or? <laughs> working from home, uh, currently um, I'm making use of the dining room table and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to ensure, I'm trying to find ways to increase the Wi-Fi capacity in the, in the property. So it's a townhouse in a conservation area in um, just north of uh, uh, Kent, just in the northern part of Kent. Um, and it's old, built in the 1900s. In fact, you, you may or may not. Oh, lovely! Yes. I, that was that was where I live in in 1900. Yeah. Um, so it's that classic style, you know, bigger bigger bricks thing, and it's um it's proved a Wi-Fi challenge. Is <laughs> is the, is the one thing to emerge? But we work from home, and and as an association, um, uh, we've got about 140, 150 company members as a, as an organisation. We we made um, a decision probably a couple of years ago to move towards being able to work anywhere. So if everything went down in the building that we occupy, we could go and sit in a coffee shop was our original objective and just carry on working. So in some ways, we the, the final element of that we, we put in place right at the beginning of this year. I'd, I'd love to say I had this amazing hindsight and I'd worked it all out and looked at the business di disruption of the association if X and Y happened. I didn't. We, we just had an objective that we could rely on ourselves and we didn't need a, a huge big server or anything like that. Yes. So we've, so it's been a smoothish transition. I suppose the bigger challenge is always people. So we've got regular connections and I've talked to the team and the staff and we've been also working out what what things we do for the members so on the one aspect it's talking to them about what things that are happening across the sector that we know bringing in some experts where where it makes sense but equally members who are used to selling you know because their, their products valves actuators whatever whatever it may be um they're suddenly in a different world so we've been running sessions on linkedin how to use linkedin yeah. Almost as a surrogate to your normal face-to-face -face thing. How does that work? You know, what does business disruption look like? And it's not just about the disruption; it's, it's the recovery aspect of it. Um, we ran a session this morning, actually, just just before this call on um, remote working, all different aspects of that. And I got one of the members to come on board and share their knowledge of not just remote working because they they do software as a service. But how they've implemented two two projects virtually, mm. just to say, look, you, you can do this. And one of those projects involved trying to get twenty five engineers in a room, which they said, had we tried to get them all together to talk through the project work, mm. we'd have been three months and six months, and we got them all together within a week. So we, we've been trying to do all of those. So it's 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 good for the company, but also good for people. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago was mental uh, health awareness and a week, and I think these things shouldn't be weeks. They should be just part of what we do yes. and understand, and and that's a big aspect. Um, and also for for me, um, we surely now with the whole sector is in a position to have a, a different and um, better conversation with what we term the customer. And I say term the customer because if you're a supplier, you're a customer to the to the war in those companies, just as much as the domestic population. Well, surely now we can engage better. Yes. You know, our stakeholder meetings can be as inclusive as we need them to be. Mm. And and we can talk to everyone, you know. 
bit of me is going, have we become more democratic because we're just talking like yeah. this? We're not, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for that because I think that's an yeah, important part. Yeah, it's huge. So. There is, I mean, again and again and again, there seems to be this decentralisation of, of power, of decision making and people working more um, more democratically and more autonomously, as long as they have access, you know, so there's still that issue around protecting protecting access and really being inclusive of, of the wider yeah. community. Um, yet there are so many examples of, of what good can look like um, from this that I think it's it's a it's a more meaningful way to live, isn't it? I mean, it's a more it's a more meaningful existence. I think you know it's yeah. A, yeah. There's more ownership and and um, more ownership and autonomy in your own actions. So um, hmm. yeah, and, and pers personally more more valuable as a result. So mm -hmm. I like to think you know your point there. Diversity and equality has changed. So you don't sit in a face to face meeting where. Um, someone dominates perhaps you know and 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 people who want to have a view don't feel they can have a view um you don't sit in meetings where through no fault of the building itself it, it doesn't really have facilities to support disabled access well it doesn't matter now does it because we can communicate in, yes. in these ways I, I think that's hugely and potentially very positive and we we did a blog as an association and one of the things we said was that we hope the best of what's happened is taken forward mm. because that that really demonstrate you know a lot of change taking place in the industry um and what we've just talked about i think is is part of the best of what's what, what's been happening yeah. Yeah. yeah well paul thank you very much yeah. indeed for sharing these insights with me and um, they are enormously valuable and they give me insights not just to and um, the sector of water and the way it's structured but you know that changing the the changing work environment the changing society that you and i are here to serve um so they are enormously useful it makes me think about you know if i'm creating education programs for people to go through or learning environments or learning experiences then this is the world that they're coming into and and yeah it's a hopeful place to to come into any students that might be overhearing this conversation <laughs> they can use this uh, they can use this uh, material as secondary data um, and it could help inform their research and, and and it's just very valuable to inform and build the wider warwick community if anybody listening wants to hear more from Paul, then drop me a line and I'll forward it on. I'm on Warwick's website. And if you're watching this on YouTube, follow the link on the closing slide. Um, the series will also be made available as a podcast. So just search Insights Over Lunch on your preferred listening platform. And Paul, um, thank you very much for sharing with me. And um, I guess uh, enjoy your lunch. Yes, um, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to have yet, but that's that's one of the exciting things, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <See what I'm laughs> <saying>. <laughs> Thank you.